And good afternoon. It is 4 o'clock. And thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. Uh, we are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And uh, coming up on the show today in the first hour, from the Monday, July 1st, final day and final session of a three-day annual poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5, you'll hear readings by Kate Rogers and Brandon Pitts, and those were the last two uh, readings uh, from that uh, 55, I believe, uh, poetry-filled uh, three-day poetry festival. And in the second hour from Sh uh, Sherry Huang's uh, August 11th book launch event uh, with her book Love Speech, uh, you'll hear that full event, um, starting with a musical prelude to the readings by Liam Fenton, then with readings by Layla Chismore, Ashley Elizabeth Best, and then Sherry Huang. Uh, this verse, though, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So to begin with, and uh, these will pretty much fill, uh, fill enough of the first hour that I have a lot of announcements to share, and so I'm going to do that. Uh, but ahead of that, uh, following, uh, I believe, over two months of almost exclusively airing readings from the 53 other poets in that event, you're going to hear, as I mentioned, the last two readings of that three-day poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5. Uh, these readings took place from June 29th through July 1st uh, with a festival itself tied to the much larger ArtFest Kingston 2019 Artist Festival. So up first in it today, here is Kate Rogers. Kate Rogers' poetry has appeared in literary journals in the U.S., Canada, U.K., Hong Kong, Japan, and Malaysia. Highlights include World Literature Today, the Fieldstone Review, University of Saskatchewan, Tamarack's Canadian Poetry for the 21st Century, Algebra of Owls, Voice and Verse, Twin Cities, Cinema, which is Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, Juniper, The Guardian, Asia Literary Review, and many more. Her poems uh, won second place in the 2018-2019 Big Pond Rumors Contest. They have been shortlisted for the 2018 Vancouver Tagore, Tagore. Tagore Society Contest and the 2017 Montreal International Poetry Prize. Kate's uh, la latest poetry collection is Out of Place uh, and that was done by Quattro Aeolus. Uh, and after more than 20 years living abroad, Kate will be repatriating to Canada in late November 2019, so coming right up. Let's bring up Kate Rogers. He's a very good audience member. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so wow, the sun in the eyes. Well, okay, I think I can see you guys. You're all gilded. You're all gilded. <laughs> 
So I'm going to read um, a couple of poems, well, maybe three, uh, that are from a new manuscript and the thing about living abroad for 20 years is that when you're on the point of returning it, it can cause a lot of reflection about who you used to be. Uh, so that's what those poems focus on and then I will take you to Hong Kong and Asia and censored poetry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, the first poem actually what is in Tamaracks, which I gather some of you are also in, and it's called In the Dark, Age 8, After My Screams Wake Me. I wait for the creak of bed springs down the hall, hear nothing, drop my pillow to the floor, lower myself carefully onto its snow drift, wait to sink before I slide. My arms are ski poles. Push, glide. Silence is the other mouth breather in this house. Gaping, it swallows the tick of the furnace, hum of the fridge. Through mother's open door, I watch her in the blanket cocoon, arms around herself, clinging like wings folded tight. My sister is tucked in her bed behind a plush barricade, toothless lions and bears. The light from father's study puddles under his door. Who will clean the stain off the floor? It's okay, you can save the applause. <laughs> Thank you though. And this one's called In the First House. You see, I still have my Canadian diphthongs, don't I? <laughs> In the first house, I remember my room at the end of the corridor, guard room, top of the stairs. Late at night, father's tread, heavy as a fat man's. Each oak step groaned. I lay in the dark, pulling hairs from my scalp round the rim of the crater from a deer fly bite, digging deeper. Every Saturday, I waited in the doorway of father's study as he wrote at his desk, became a window so he could look through me. On the way to his work down the road from my school, I tried to match his long strides. Father said, you walk too fast for a girl. In my room, I dismantled my chatty Kathy doll to see how she moved. I buried her head, pink plastic legs, under the blue spruce, leaned my cheek on its rough bark. My sister fell down the stairs. My father pointed at me. Stupid girl, why weren't you watching her? Mother napped. Father's door closed. Me alone, dropping spoons down the coal chute in the basement. The echoes, I told my sister, are the last owner calling to her children. She died alone. <laughs> the next day, mother fussily posed me in the yard by the cedar hedge while swallows stooped, wings sharp as shears behind her. I shut my eyes as the camera clicked already practicing absence.
And this is the last of the childhood poems. The Approaching Train. I follow the tracks by the sea at dusk. A train plunges by, quaking the earth and my legs, stitching windows of light onto night's black cape. I am 12. The railway line rises above our family home, my mother's nasturtiums, their bright orange sun setting all afternoon. The gray groundhog, jaw circling as he grinds petals, rests on his haunches to watch the hurtling blur. My father scavenged old railway ties to border the flower beds. My room in the lopsided addition had no insulation. By February, I gripped my pencil, fingers numb in slippery gloves. At the desk by the window, breath a serious cloud. I dropped my books on the pine kitchen table, called to my little sister, please turn down the TV. My father stomped down the stairs, swept my books onto the kitchen floor, upstairs. One morning before school, a red Mustang knocked me down at the flashing crosswalk. My front teeth cracked, chipped. Had I looked both ways? I limped home, knees bloodied. You're a survivor, mother said. Adult teeth, father said, too old to change. In the doorway of my bedroom, I rolled my owie marble, blue swirled with green like earth from space. How it rushed to meet the wall below the window overlooking the tracks. I lay awake under the down quilt, tongue tracing the new jagged edge of my upper front teeth, listening for the moan of the train, waiting for her beam of light, the veil she discards in flight. Okay, the next poem I'll read is from Out of Place, which came out two years ago. And with this brilliant illumination, I can read it without glasses, <laughs> which is very helpful. Yeah, and, and the theme of the book is feeling like I am of a place and yet never completely uh, of that place. It's kind of a contradictory uh, experience, which I guess is very inspirational for a poet. Yeah, out of place. A bird splashes indigo, blue on a rock, Asian kingfisher, breast and orange offering. Fresh silver fish, a struggling lure, polishes the dull light of spring. Out of place, I watch egrets toss white plumes over their heads, balance on stilts, tilt to angle their gaze through the green glass sea at claws scrabbling for shadows. Black kites snatch scraps from a balcony, soar with notes torn from the opera Birth of the Goddess of Mercy, clutch them in taut talons and arc over the bay like the water sleeves of dancers. Boats roll out banners for Chin Hao, Goddess of the Sea, who has always lived here in a red shrine. Fishermen leave her slippers out at night. I cast my line from a high cliff, hope to patch just enough. 
And the next poem, um, I was very privileged to be included in the Hong Kong issue of uh, World Literature Today, which is a venerable old American journal. And it's called On My Way to Cantonese Class. On my way to Cantonese class, I pass under century-old banyans on Nathan Road, their scaly bark studded with ferns, trunks leaning against iron frames. I weave among shoppers, ducking air conditioner rain. Mho yisi, excuse me, I mutter, as an old lady with gray bun elbows past. I am on my way to Cantonese class. After 20 years in Hong Kong, garbage has become laps up for me. The fermenting fusion of durian, chow fan, and chicken wings smells the same in any language. Yet I long to uncover more layers of Hong Kong's midden heap. In Cantonese class, I ask too many questions. The teacher is kind, but I stall the lesson. The blonde Brit next to me taps his foot in irritation. Mho lam gam do. Don't think too much. The teacher writes on the whiteboard in both languages, stares directly at me. Memorize the measure words for each noun. Test next week. Sweat beads on my upper lip. Will I pass? I often get them wrong. Such hard work as my memory gapes like a sinkhole in an old district, exposing tree roots, shards of blue and white porcelain. What a time to learn that Cantonese is not a romance language. After class, I wait at the red light. A gangly young girl in a pink tutu, pink tights, matching trainers on wheels, flashing hazard lights on her heels, pushes past me to cross. Mho yisi, excuse me, she says, so polite. So you saw my call, be careful. She pauses at the traffic island, takes my advice without glancing at my face to see who warns her. And uh, this next poem is Out Looking for a Home. And it's very much inspired by um, what it's like to live between two cultures, two societies, two realities. It's called Corn on the Cob, Hong Kong, Ontario. I strip back gray paper sheaths pluck strands of silk from between knotted kernels with black enamel chopsticks in my Hong Kong kitchen. Nana wouldn't use them when we went to the Sai Wu on Dundas, Old Chinatown, Toronto. Her father hadn't let her waitress in a Chinese restaurant for those people. Nana sat at the table with us, poking her fork into dough balls in neon red sauce. They eat, she said, frowning, chicken feet, spit bones on the table. My mother, who'd learned on the farm to tear thin sheaths from bony talons with her small hands, flinched. I fill a glass bowl with water, submerge the knobbly cobs, organic, more healthy for bees, bumbling through rows of tasseled green foreskins in the fields. So I've read. Microwave on high, 
three minutes. Lake Simcoe, 50 years ago, eight of us grandchildren run barefoot on the lawn, and our mothers, two Mickey Doodles and a Bohunk, Nana calls them, lie on lounge chairs, browning their plump thighs. I go inside, watch Nana drop cobs into the bubbling black enamel pot, the element glowing like the mosquito coil on the screened porch. Sweat and steam slick her face, crimson her forearms. Nana sets the chicken timer beak to three minutes, pinches off a smile for me. Ding! Nana tongs each steaming yellow cob onto the blue and white plate, a willow pattern platter. It is a scene of imagined Asia, a bridge over an old lagoon. Have I crossed that bridge? And the next one is about what it's like to travel from Hong Kong to Toronto and kind of the, the reality disconnect. I am a ghost. The taxi driver who drives me to Hong Kong airport tells his dispatcher a Seguipo, damned white ghost, is in his cab, winks at me in his rear view when he sees I understand. At the terminal, he muscles my bag from the trunk, so I tip. My first night in Toronto, I rise off the mattress into the air. Limbs swimming, I touch nothing. The hand I raise to my face is not there, white ghost. Sheer as the hotel sash curtains, I pass through the glass door to the subway, slip under the turnstile without paying. Queen Street Station, platform level, I hover beside a face in the blue tile mural. Nellie McClung, Methodist, suffragette, in a red frilly dress? Passengers in the first subway car ignore the man in a black beret, fervently stroking his violin. I pluck a loose white strand from his horsehair bow. College station, I gust out of the train, swirl stray leaflets on the stairs, transparent to the homeless man on the top step, his eyes flat white coffee. Luminous, I surge down young to my alma mater, casting no shadow on the brooding statue of Edgerton Ryerson. More than 25 years ago, I sat at his green brass feet, that educator who planned for indigenous youth to dig gardens, hang laundry for white ghosts. I waft past the LED billboard that flickers news like a migraine in my periphery at Young and Dundas. I weave the diaphanous veil of myself through the grimacing chrome grills of cars hurting pedestrians, through the storm sewers west to Spadina, through the plate glass window of Song's great seafood. I will myself into my pale pink flesh, smile at the waitress. I've forgotten all the words for food in Cantonese except fan, rice, and salanta, broccoli. I've let the ghost speak out of my mouth. Shu Jie, little sister, miss, I ask. May I order, please? And uh, I'm going to read two more poems. Um, the next one is a poem that was 
censored because it was part of a Tiananmen uh, memorial reading uh, for Cha, the uh, Asian Literary Journal, which is um, a well-established journal in Hong Kong, online journal. And uh, the co-editor, Tammy Wyming-Ho, uh, had her WordPress blog where she put all of our readings um, suspended and then uh, Facebook censored her and then me. And that lasted for about 12 hours, but it has, it's kind of an ongoing issue. It keeps uh, happening again and again. She gets access and she's uh, shadow banned, which means only a few people see your post. So um, that was my first experience with being censored. And I'm reading it here and everywhere, <laughs> this poem. And it's based on personal experience. 20 years in the People's Republic of China, one, January 1999. There will be, said my new boss, a party plant in your classroom. Tiananmen never happened. I was sitting in her office at Centennial College in Toronto. Arrival, Changsha, Hunan. Steel towers, red iron cranes, gauze wrapped. Each breath tasted of coal. The great helmsman Mao went to teacher's college here, wrote poems sheltering from the molten sun in a mountain pavilion. For National Day, my students took me hiking to Zhangjiajie, China's first forest park, because I saw trees in the Xilanghua, broccoli and mandarin, in our lunch boxes, and in the brittle bare whisk brooms leaning upright by the caretaker's hut. Wicker baskets of birds at the gates. The students helped me buy a small pheasant, feathers dry, brown as leaf litter from a hunter. They climbed with me halfway up Dupeng Mountain, where I released the bird. Its rapid wing beats sliced cloud from the sky. Some students laughed. The bird will be caught again by a hunter, a girl insisted. Descending the steep slope, two students asked what I knew about the tank man at Tiananmen. A tall boy said, anti-China propaganda. 2. January 2019. Nine months until I repatriate to Canada. I am on the Lantau Trail, neck deep in flush pink petals parted for butterflies. Hong Kong's silver skyline hidden by the mountain. An eagle owl on a tall pine pivots his head after leaf rustle. I can hardly believe only one more spring on these mountain trails. Outside my window peaks across the bay cloaked in smog. I cannot travel to the mainland now. My poems about my Hong Kong students' protest umbrellas blooming in a mist of tear gas. Seditious. Canadian diplomat Michael Kovrig waits in a cell where the lights never go out. He can't sleep, but his spirit still roams China. I yearn to walk the edge of Tiger Leaping Gorge in Yunnan, skirt its deep, dark mouth. I yearn to climb Umeishan with the pilgrims. My yearning enters my dreams. I am holding the pheasant whose heart beats fast. I release it, and over and over it is shot. A red-brown flurry drops at my feet on the forest path.
ribs poke through the hearts and shreds. And I will finish with a poem for my sweetheart, who is here, wearing his anti-China extradition t-shirt proudly. <laughs> and um, I wrote this when I was in Scotland on a writing uh, retreat. And um, I was thinking about the fact that Dai was based there when he was first in search and rescue a long time ago. So this is Love Song from Edinburgh for Dai, Half the Earth Away. From this cottage attic by the lock, my voice lilts, flirting with you on the phone. Your breaths roll in slow, just like the tide where fresh water meets salt. When you lived here, you surfed dark night, balanced on the surging kelpie without bit or bridle, unafraid of its curled brine lip. Each mountain ledge is muscled as your calf, cliffs broad as your shoulders, riding the winch line above Ben Nevis in a 40-knot gale. Your knees, your elbows, cobbled like the streets of Edinburgh, old town, the bones of your ankles, the strongest stones in your foundation. The ridge in your spine where you hit the ship deck is my path to the sea. Your body is the island I swim to, your eyes rare blue granite in the worn rock face. Thank you everyone for listening. Kate Rogers, let's give her another hand. And you just, you heard a reading by Kate Rogers, uh, who was the penultimate poet of the full event, uh, with her reading in the fifth session of the last day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. Up next in it, and the very final poet of that festival, here is Brandon Pitts. Up next, Brandon Pitts. Poet, novelist, playwright, lyricist, and socio-political commentator. Rising out of the raucous after-hours salons of the Toronto underground poetry scene, Canadian-American writer Brandon Pitts has wowed capacity crowds in four countries and multiple cities with his visceral, dynamic poetry recitals. After being inducted into the diaspora, Dialogues as an emerging voice, he released a novel and produced three plays. He followed this with a series of well-received poetry collections showcasing a disciplined artistic process with multi-layered uh, socio-political commentary, culminating in what uh, Jim Christie calls the rarest things in poetry these days, a unique voice. His second uh, poetry collection for Mosaic Press, uh, Tender in the Age of Fury, is in its third, third pressing, and Brandon currently lives in Montreal's La Plateau with his wife and two cats. Spring up, Brandon Pitts. Thank you, uh, thanks for being here. And Thank you, Bruce. Uh, I always wanted to recite poetry in shades, but could never get away with it until now. Thank you for taking that off the old bucket list. 
So uh, I'm going to start with uh, something from this collection in the Company of Crows, uh, my most recent one. And uh, it's uh, I lived in the States for a little while, and it's my poetic journal of living there from the shooting in Orlando to the inauguration of Trump. And I, I approached the topic with, try to approach it with love and compassion. And, uh, and I, I was reading with John B. Lee for Poetry Month, and he said, uh, you know, with all these, the current political climate, we are failing in matters of the heart. So this, this, is, this first poem is for John, and it's called, After Going to Bed, Hopeless and Sad, Only to Wake, and Find That 49 People Have Been Shot Dead in Orlando While I Slept. We stand with love, abound and one with the universe, listening to the life sound of things and the inherent energy of stone. We hear the cry of birth and the fear of passing, friends whose mortal stems were cut short. We weep for those who wanted peace and sought joy but expired into panic. We weep for mothers whose love was severed, a connection reduced to memory. And we weep for the killer whose last moments were spent in hate, passing into confusion, lost in the eddies of pain. And we weep for the hate that left the gun and spread to the people, teaching children division. And we weep for the leaders who used the hate to further their gains and extend control. We weep for the flock who follows those ill-gotten shepherds, turning the red letters to black. For there is no hate, only an absence of love. There is no race or creed, only the need to exist. There is no death, only dying. There is no revenge, only an open heart that bleeds. So stand with love, it is the only path to be free. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to read something from my book, Tender in the Age of Fury. It's a, it's a blues poem, like a Delta blues poem. Beware of the drubby that wanders the cornfields at night, steals the souls of sleepers and drives them back to a time where men ate raw meat, not on dirt-covered roots, tore at women with the brute fang, proof of a love that a man can feel. Jim. Why'd you do that evil deal? Out in the woods where only the frogs heard poor Delilah cry. Hey, Jim, can you tell me why? For that devil takes you, casts you back upon the wheel, where Legba presides over the cycle of reason to purge your ordeal. In the lesson of transformations, where I sat on the wet nurse's lap, she sang songs about the old times in that far-off land, where cracked hands beat spells upon drums. How to sell your soul to the drubby out on Highway 61. When he taps you on the shoulder, take the deal. Don't look back, and the grimoire will reveal its secrets even to those who can't understand. But it was dropping hail when I came to the crossroads of my life down in Beauregard, Mississippi, out on Route 49. So I gone through the thistle patch, a contract in my hand, drew a circle in the cornfield where they go and see the drubby man. Hey, Jim, why you lay down your plow? Hey, Jim, you left your woman to fend for the sow. Jimbo, you gone to revel in the city swell and stop steal peaches and asleep in the hay. They'll find you, Jimbo, find you one day. But tonight, you'll hop a freight train. Dream of new lands where money and women come to a man. The strength of dreams and of mind to foretell. 
but there'll be no more wishes from the Drubby's secret well. This was the prophecy that the angel foretold. A mannish boy would be born on the eve Delilah went cold. Thank you. I'm going to recite a, another poem from the Crow Book. And uh, this one uh, is about the, the human lifespan and the hardships we encounter makes us better as we go along. And it's called Aloy Aloy Lama Sabachthani, which is what Jesus cried out while on the cross. A word spoken into flesh caused my being. I come to static or consciousness returning. Beatitude will fall softly to lavish this sinner. My arms pulled wide, I know you are lofty. Palm to palm, east to west, my thoughts have traveled, be it a millennia ago or centuries into the future, through folding patterns in time. Desire gave me body, while longing pumps this heart. Nail to keep my hands from reaching, thorns to keep my eyes from seeing back before this life, to a time where you put finger to lips and whispered, shh. You only have to remember that you are precious. We are all born from love. But that far back I can no longer see. This earth and wood, limited by lifetimes, are nailed to my feet, leaving questions so simple. The answers are impossible to perceive. So I gaze out from this cross, see the sun illuminating clouds, highlighting colors, blues, sepias, and whites. In my vision, I see storms, auras of molecules that compose space and define shape, some moving, some pulsing, some breathing through infinite space, where my corpuscles are stars whose light warms planets. My thoughts produce people who enter the world through mothers. And those who can stand while lying down are those who will travel in time. And those who will travel while sick will travel back lifetimes. Can my sweat create an ocean or just salt like the sea? Will my blood carry hadrons, each cell its own galaxy, where emotions create life, some fantastic light, some cancers? My thoughts like electric pulses spilling out and spiraling down into a slow, winding helix, leaving my internal eye to swirl in a space where lifetimes are spent crossing a two-second divide, only to flatten into cubes where my final inhale pulls it into a thin-hued line where I will transfigure and every particle will shine like passengers to polar caps a trillion light years away in a millisecond of a history so ancient it was forgotten before it takes place some distant bank, the same shore in some other vicinity, where my anguish releases storms and my hour true meaning. For those who would destroy it are loved with equal measure to those who would build it. For each time I strike in anger, my fist hits the prison wall. And each time I expound laughter, I share in the life of a beloved child. And if I can find in myself to forgive, then the universe will know joy, and then I will understand peace. My light will never expire, but transform beyond this final breath to the very last ripple at the center of time and experience I have chosen. For therein lies the traveler, for we are all different degrees of the same light. And by giving me life, you have forced me to make mountains, and to my father's hopes, his expectations will create this situation in me 
as I am made in his image, my God like he, and if I leave this trial, will everything I've created cease? Is this how a small creature becomes king? Then this I will do, because you asked me. Thank you. I'm going to do a piece, some pieces from the title poem of this book, In the Company of Crows. I can't do the whole poem, it would exceed my time allotment, so I'm just going to do some pieces. And it's uh, basically kind of a, an allegory for, uh, for the politics of climate change. Oh, sister witch, love me this lifetime. Let us feel the soil from which our bodies are composed. With our backs to the planet, we can sense the earth shift as it allies itself with the storm. Speak to me of glyphs, chiseled in minor, the language of infant and crows, visitations, dreams of a child, dark bird, whisper secrets to this faint sleeper's soul. Black crow murder, fly into the night, seek out expectant mothers who sweat. They cover their bump, hide it from husbands, knowing one day the unborn will walk the sacred path. O lone crow, perch upon roof, speak to the child within. For there will come a day when wise men travel, and your dead language will be spoken again. O Severus, I've seen a sign in the augury of birds, exavibus in flight. I do believe an omen exists when a black beak pecks the belly of a horn cane toad. Severus, we too must pierce that dragon, rise up, steal the pigeon's score. For like the crow, we outnumber the eagle tread with conviction through the valley like St. George. So for many days, I walked across heathen sands just to gaze at Valhalla. Its dome has fallen, but the wall still stands. The inscription remains unbroken. This is how I came into the company of crows. Their language and customs guide me. For a blackened wing defying the sky will be pushed from the table by Goliath. So run, Steve. Run, Jane. Mark this spot. Don't let the family die. We have been captured into the service of giants, and their massive footfalls will rupture this planet. So run. If we are wolves, then you are my daughter. When the Lord vomits hail and fire, hands that grasp are not open to receive. So drop crumbs from your last wafer. Mark this spot and flee, because I was there when the sea of transmission pushed through the channels. Not a shot, but a march straight through to convocation and stood before the Senate, hand-gripping a Bible, lecturing the assembly, married to money in the secret handshake of greed, a bone and a black hood that one with the podium and lines pulled from a closet, cabinet, casket, a light on the merchant's marquee. When the watches stop, a fox will fear him and all are silent when he speaks. Hush in the Senate. We don't want the plebeians to hear. There are those among us who would blow out our sacred candle, expose the cabal, coffin in our industry. So all bent in allegiance to autumn on the leaves of a democratic spring. Lord thy worm, futile my enemy. This is not the conflict of orders, but an orgy of dogs. And I don't have the teeth to fight my way to the trough, to snort among diners, gorging on slop, trial by treadmill, governed by the house, they're metering out your meat with grubby hands. Wage and protector, perch upon my shoulder. Show me the way, point out the venerable path. Help me spit out the sand, swallowed while pushed into forced prostration. 
for this burning soil is not the center of gravity and there are ghosts on this trailhead warning us to be wary. So mark this spot and we'll meet here in the kind hereafter when the ocean conspires with trees. I'm going to do a pretty short poem, end with that, and it's from a collection, my first collection, which is now out of print, Pressure to Sing. And uh, anyway, it's called Take a Trip. Take a trip on a positive notion, a stroll down a highway of nine, ring a bell on a ship in the Arctic, stay awake for days at a time. Four days we didn't see the sunshine, and still the polar winds blew. Lost my virginity under the aurora borealis. Through her window, the curtains drew. Upon the terrace of the leper king, throw a coin to the one-armed man. American money gets you into the bayon. Gas from a pop bottle tops up the tram. On pagan walls and temples of Christ, the whore is more blessed than the virgin. Loved by the concubine, raped by the wife, bled and stoned by children. Take a trip on a positive notion, a stroll down a highway of nine. Live life with reaching vision, six years ahead of your time. Seen sentience in utero, look, there on the sonogram, the will to survive. Took a walk on a salmon run, Russian church, Aleutian sky. Branded a coffer who knelt in a mosque, a Goya wore a yarmulke and shul. Lived to see my words in print the day they kicked me out of school. In secret courtyards over Templar graves, black Madonnas adorn the nave. Paso del Rio, Alamo Way. Strap the cash in the flats of L.A. Take a trip on a positive notion. A stroll down a highway of nine. Embark on the endless journey. Rushing past the speed limit sign. Touch the flesh of nations. Travel first class. Climbed a war-torn pyramid. Brought a baby on my back. Trespassed on top secret soil. Felt that the land should be free. Eggnog and stout in the huts of Jamaica. Expatriation from your native country. Take a trip on a positive notion. Pet a fox down a highway of nine. Learn the secret language of the coyote. Stay awake for days at a time. Remember, Kingston, those bitten with the fringe, they never sleep. Don't tie down your spirit. Go on and live free. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Brandon Bits, let's give him another hand. And the three of them, Paul, Kate, Brandon, one more time. Well, it's been a wonderful, I want to thank you for coming out. And if they could hear me, I'd thank all of the others who have been here. And some of you have been here many times over the course of the three days. So thank you for that. And uh, it's been a wonderful, just a beautiful three days again here at Poets at Art Fest, and uh, I'm already a little bit excited for Poets at Art Fest 6, so. <laughs> anyway, all the best to all of you, thank you. And you just heard a reading by Brandon Pitts in the fifth session of the final day of the three-day poetry festival that ran from June 29th to July 1st. Again, it tied to the much larger Artfest Kingston 2019 Full Artist Festival. And uh, 
You also heard uh, after Brandon uh, just a few words uh, by me to kind of thank everybody and since he was the last uh, poet of this year's event. Tell you what, uh, let's do this. I've got a lot of announcements to go through. We'll do these recorded ones first, and uh, I'll be right back. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio sit, News. Sit back, relax, listen to some hip-hop with the premium uh, plus Friday. stop rocking till it's time to go. DJ professional rocking the show. The fantastic dollar bill every Friday night, 9 p.m. Sit back, relax, listen to some hip hop on the premium plus show. Friday night, whatever the ground. Hip hop. Remember the party time starts at nine and doesn't end until ten. Hi, I'm Jordan, master student in statistics here at Queens. I'm also a volunteer at CFRC, your campus radio station. I host a show here called After Image, focused on dreamy sounds, including shoegaze and dream pop. I really like this style of music, and it's cool to be able to produce my own show where I showcase some of my favorite tunes. I've been volunteering at CFRC ever since I was in first year of undergrad and have learned about so many things beyond radio broadcasting, like audio production skills, field recording, and DJing. If you're a Queen student like me and are interested in having your own radio show and or podcast, come and join our family of volunteers here at CFRC. If you support independent media and the student voice in the community, please do consider opting in to the student fee for CFRC. As an organization run by the people, for the people, we rely on small fees from each student to remain functional. Remember, this is your signal. Let's keep it strong. 
And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. I do have a lot of time today, and I actually need it. I'm not even going to get close to the list of events and calls for submissions uh, even I probably won't even get through all of them coming up in the next two weeks, maybe not even the next week. So tell you what, uh, what I think I'll do at this point is uh, let you know that uh, both hours of this show will be uploaded when it's over, obviously, <laughs> to my blog space for it at uh, finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. We'll remain there for four years. And I do want to thank you for tuning in to the fr- most of the first hour of the show today, or a good portion of it, I guess, at this point. And uh, also want to say that I hope you can tune in to the second hour. Uh, that event will pretty much consume the whole hour, so I don't think I'll have much time to say much of anything after that in the second hour. So I wanted to allow a bit more time at the end of this uh it's one of those deals where you don't have enough space to really start anything else and it just works out quite wonderfully actually that i have so many things to announce and a little bit more time than usual to do it but coming up in the second hour at the start of the second hour you'll hear again sherry huang's uh, book launch uh, for her new book called love speech and I'll talk to you more about that at the top of the hour, but let's go ahead and pull this sheet of information over here first. Uh, I just saw this yesterday, and for those of you, this is for Queen students, and it's for, uh, it seems, I can't believe how quickly this comes around every year. It's the qualifier rounds for the Queen's University Cupsy 2020 team. Uh, that is an uh, essentially an international festival that uh, an invitational festival that uh, slam festival that this year will be held uh, this spring I believe is when they have it in uh, Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond Virginia and they're beginning the selection process this month in fact quite quickly actually what is today the 13th in fact a week from today there is a performance i don't have the times yet but i'm going to give you their facebook page uh and what the information i do have are dates uh they've secured dates and i don't know if i just overlooked the time and didn't write it down in here or if that's still tentative but they're going to have a practice if you're okay let's do this you can participate if you're a Queen's University student, either undergraduate or even graduate student. You are a poet or interested in poetry, and you want to perform SLAM and attempt to qualify uh, for that, then you this might be information that's important to you. And the practice SLAM is scheduled for September 20th. All of these are at the Grad Club. If you don't know where that is, you will. It's at 162 Berry Street. And uh, the practice slam is going to be a week from today, September 20th. That will happen on the third floor. And uh, then they have two qualifier competitions. Uh, 
coming up uh, a week later and then a bit later than and 10 days later. So the practice slam, September 20th, third floor. Cup C qualifier number one, September 27th on the first floor, the main floor. And then qualifier number two will be September 30th again on the main floor or the first floor. Their Facebook page, just uh, Queen's uh, search, Queen's K, uh, I'm sorry, C-U-P-S-I, Cup C. So www.facebook.com slash, and I think this is what we have here, Q-C-U-P-S-I slash. Should take you there. And uh, that's uh, no one. One more call, and that was a call for participation. This is a call for submissions. Actually, uh, we have uh, a call out to CFRC 101.9 FM for submission of original work for the first shortwave theater festival, a week of audio drama to air on uh, in November. Uh, five audio projects will be selected from those submitted. Sorry there, lost uh, lost the sound for a second. CFRC will work with you to develop uh, your play, this is what they say, into a podcast and radio broadcast. Anyone is encouraged to submit uh, professional theater company, emerging or unpublished writer, mid-career theater artist, community group. Uh, I've got a link here where you can get full details, www.cfrc.ca slash short wave and that will take you there there is a deadline of october 10th so you've got about a little over a little less than a month and uh let's see i'm gonna slip through some pages here most of the other there is another uh, call but it's good till the end of the month well i might as well just do it now since i'm on this and the rest of them come up in October, later in October. Uh, Juniper is a poetry journal. They only open for submissions during the months of January, May, and September. So they're open now until September 30th. You can send up to three unpublished poems in the body of an email to the editors at juniperpoetry at gmail.com. No attachments. It's got to be in the body of the email. They require cover letter, should include titles and short bio, max 75 words. Uh, just so you know, if you've already been published in the last year, they prefer to feature a poet's work only once a year. Uh, www.juniperpoetry.com will take you to their site. Now coming up, for those of you in the... Excuse me again here. For those of you uh, in the, I'm going to come back to some week. Well, I'm going to do this one weekly thing. Uh, uh, the Limestone Writers Writing Group uh, meets every Wednesday evening, uh, September through April at 7 p.m in room 239 of Stauffer Library to critique and support one another's writing. Uh, they cover all genres and all are represented. Uh, the only month they don't meet is August, and then in the um, spring and summer they meet earlier in the evening. But right now, every Wednesday evening from uh, 
September through April at 7 p.m. If you're interested, contact David at, and this is an email address, uh, dprat1939 at hotmail.com. If you happen to be in the Belleville area tomorrow night, I will be there myself. Uh, I hate to self-promote, but I guess I have to do that from time to time. Uh, Night Kitchen 2 is a, I believe they're starting their seventh year. They're a monthly variety uh, series featuring music, poetry, and spoken word. Uh, I will, uh, there will be a featured musician, or I think it's a duo uh, musician, uh, that tomorrow evening uh it is at uh the pinnacle playhouse and which is located at 256 pinnacle street in belleville uh again that's saturday tomorrow september 14th from 8 to 10 p.m doors at 7 30 i will be reading so kind of a mini lunch i guess for me uh from uh, my new collection of poetry called an evening absence still waiting for moon and uh Doors open at 7.30. The event runs from 8 to 10 o'clock. Uh, they do have a Facebook page. So it's uh, Night Kitchen and then 2TOO. So that'll get you there. Coming up Monday evening, it's called A Night of Grief and Mystery. This is a, on tour from, uh, it's a, on an international tour. Uh, they've sold out uh, houses in Australia, New Zealand, England, Scotland, Wales, Iceland, the U.S., and other sites in Canada. This is at the Octave Theater, which is 711 Dalton Avenue, and it's Monday, September 16th, 7 p.m. It's called A Night of Grief and Mystery, and it's only in Kingston one night. It's, uh, Billed as renowned storyteller Stephen Jenkinson and uh, acclaimed recording artist Gregory Hoskins and their dynamic band create an evening that is in part storytelling, part concert, part poetic, theatrical, and raucous lamentation expressed in love letters to life and part wooing of the ragged mysteries of being humid in these tur- turbulent times. So, again, sold out in many of their 25-city North American tours already. So that might be worth checking out. Uh, they've got a Facebook page. So it's uh, night. Just type in Night of Grief and Mystery or else type in Storytelling slash Poetry slash Theater slash Musical Event. Oh, you better go with the first one. Night of Grief and Mystery. And uh, that should pull up something for you there. Uh, there will be a book launch at the Alibi coming up uh, this coming Thursday, September 19th. Uh, Terry Fallis will be uh, launching his new, I believe, seventh novel, Albatross. Novel Idea Bookstore will also be on hand to sell books. And uh, probably, um, I'm going to plug it now in case I don't have time in the second hour. A week from tomorrow, 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston events going to be held again this year, our fourth year there at the Spire, which is located at 82 Sydenham Street. Uh, Saturday, September 21st, there's an afternoon session from 1 to 5. Doors will open at 1245. Evening session from 6.30 to 10 p.m. Uh, we're tying in with uh, now in it, I believe it's 12th or something, maybe not quite, but 
They've been doing it a lot longer than we've been around doing it. So uh, I think maybe 2011 is when it started. So like eighth year, uh, an annual global 100,000 poet event mission of creating uh, its themed poetry. So creating awareness of social action, injustice, inequality, peace, and environmental issues and sustainability uh, is a free event. There will be two dozen poetry readings and four musical acts over the course of the afternoon and evening. Donation boxes this year uh, will be set up again for the Spire, for their space and everything they do for community. And also uh, the charity we've chosen this year is Loving Spoonful uh, for all they do, both for the community, for food, for environmentalism, and for their uh, charitable community efforts. So... With that, I believe it has just turned, uh, in fact, it looks like it turned about a half a minute. It'll go over to 5 o'clock. I'm going to stop where I am with that. So we got through a number of events and hope you found some of them. There is a Facebook, I should say, too, before I leave this, there is a Facebook page for that. So if you just look up uh, 100,000 Poets for Change Kingston, should take you right to the page. It has a list of all the poets and the musicians and a bit more information, quite a bit more information than I gave you right there. So there you go. And so with the more traditional introduction to this hour, I want to say you're listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And in the second hour, from Sherry Huang's uh, August 11th book launch event with her book, Love Speech, uh, you'll hear a musical prelude to the readings by Liam Fenton, who I might mention is one of the performers at the 100,000 Poets for Change, one of the musicians. Uh, uh, so, But you'll hear... Uh, his musical performance, and then readings by Layla Chisimore, who I believe is also reading in that event, Audrey, uh, Ashley Elizabeth Best, and then Sherry Huang. The first, though, usual announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So up first, again, from that August 11th book launch at Novel Idea Bookstore, here is Liam Fenton with a musical soundscape. We're all coming here. Um, I'm really touched by the turnout. Um, Liam has done me a great favor and has agreed to warm up the night, set the atmosphere with his beautiful music. Um, and I'm always astounded when I listen uh, to their sounds. So um, thank you so much, Liam. And yeah, we're all in for a treat. Oh, yeah. So honored <laughs> to have met Barry asking to play Super excited to read your book.
And you just heard Liam Fenton's uh, music in the Sherry Huang uh, August 11th book launch at Novel Idea Bookstore. Up next in it, uh, with some poetry, here is Layla Chisholm. The layout. Um, I'm feeling like maybe I'll invite you guys to maybe fill in some of these more central seats if you're comfortable with that. Um, and we'll just kind of orientate everything around here so that we can be a little bit tighter. Um, can everyone hear me <laughs> when I talk like this? Um, yeah, so I, when I was thinking of um, who to invite for the show um, in Kingston, like actually one of the first names that popped up, even though she's been quite secretive about her poetry is uh, Layla. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, she's always been on my radar as someone who is a poet, and I've caught little snippets of her words um, through Bruce's Poetry Nights, and as well as on his show, which is archived on uh, CFRC. So we're really lucky to have her, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to share. Um, so yeah, please welcome Layla. Thanks for writing. <laughs> I almost brought up your book and was like, spoiler. <laughs> cool, I don't know where to go. I'll just like stand here, I guess. Hey, everybody. Okay. Um, I'm reading two. That's okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, queer phenomenology. I read about a table once. It extended infinitely. I sat at the head, sight lines sewn into the skin of my face a matter of perspective. I dreamt of cutting the strings, of weaving former orientations to make Peruvian quipus to wear around your neck, fingers reading transhistorically about things words never could. Where am I? Where was I before? I stay, brittle movement, watching dust in the half light of four o'clock. The passive voice calls in secret pleasure of things I am told are not proper, things which are integral. The butler laughs serving dinner. You're missing a piece. I find our hands are dull now. And this is for the person I love. This one's called Pottery. I would like to be made clay for you, thrown and flattened, carved and wrung, until I have taken the moisture from your cracking palms. I would rather they spread like old earth, deprived so my clay flesh is welcome, whole as slow-filling wadi of the desert. Let us be rainy season in stone palms. You would wash reluctantly then. Pygmalion, envious, having laid flowers at the temple for anything but this. Wet metamorphosis gray in the streams to sink pipes. Your hands forgetting movement, melting to the wrist. Do not wash of me. Hold in the kiln and grimace. Mark white slips with flashes of wood fire. This but for the permanency of fingerprints. When later, 
you wish to hold me close and inspect for places you once were. Just heard a reading by Layla Chisholm as part of the Sherry Huang August 11th again book launch at Novelty Idea Bookstore. Up next in it, uh, reading that evening, here is Ashley Elizabeth Best. So I have to confess, Ashley Elizabeth did, um, upon my request, send me a bio. <laughs> but yes. I. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to tell our origin story. We met um, in Carolyn Smart's creative writing class. Um, she's the professor at Queen's who teaches creative writing and I think has touched a lot of like our lives. Um, yeah, I just remember uh, her being a classmate that I really respected at the time and had kind of followed her trajectory um, watching her um, writing emerge. Um, out into the world, um, the bigger worlds outside of the classroom. Um, so I'm really happy that our cro paths crossed again, and uh, please welcome Ashley Elizabeth Best. Um, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Some of my most uh, memorable and formative experiences as a young writer at Queens involve you, and I mean, really great memories and great conversations, and just it was it was a really good time in my life. So I really appreciate you inviting me. Um, read some newer stuff here. Put my book aside for now. Maybe not on that stuff. <laughs> so this is. Uh, untitled um, after reading John Berryman. Wednesday is the day for worries. How many plastic bags did you use this week? Is your medication out? Will rent be late this month? What will we do when we inherit the earth? This Wednesday it is three days since my mother told me she has cancer, stuck at a gas station on my way to Sudbury. The bus rides each snow squall and this Wednesday is no different than from, from any other Wednesdays on the bus. The woman in front of me with blue star tattoos on her face is traveling west two weeks after her boyfriend overdosed at an army base. Before I left, the man I thought I loved gave me gifts, turtle dove hearts engraved on a box, a Contigo mug, a band shirt, and claimed half my front tooth with a fist. Love, after all, is not practical. It is a surviving necessity. Today, I'm going to the mountains where I can mourn a life that was never mine where what I can't write about you wakens me, where I can believe the mind is in the head and nobody is ever missing. This one is called The Best Thing About Today Is It Is a Feeling and It Won't Last. Another mother poem, too. <laughs> Today, my mother sent me a framed picture of a heart, ladybug stickers in each corner, a chest preparing for new growth. I'm not sorry anymore that she doesn't like her life, my poems are dispirited by her, thick mentions of road trips and landscapes and pissing into Lay's stacks canisters while stuck in traffic. Today's a feeling and this feeling won't last. My kitchen lights flicker like I imagine the pulse of my mother's heart did on the ultrasound machine. Today is a day where everything contains the possibility of her, of the heart she is trying to salvage. Who else would understand the tease of her punctuated laugh or decipher an ultrasound image of a heart? a letter you're too embarrassed to read twice. Magpies. 
Last night I had a dream. We were standing inside the entrance of a grocery store. Pumpkins surrounded us. You kept saying something, but only magpies came from the dark stretch of your mouth. I'll blame the concussion. Ever since that ladder fell on my head, I've been dreaming of a life that could never have existed. My parents still together, you still alive, and rubbing my foot after a hard day at work. I would have you know I look fine this year. Age suits me well. I still look young and young, but maybe a little weathered. Here is the betrayal. My life isn't so bad now. This future where no one I know will recognize your name. And maybe I'll just skip around if you don't mind who it is. This one is uh, from my book, Still States of Collapse. Um, it's called Dinner Party. I am a doe snitching sips of my husband's beer in the last pluck of light. He makes a desolation and calls it surrender. His smack flogs miraculous. Our friends fist his jaw, lay him flat. The burr of love gnawing its own shape on my face against the wind. I watch as the ruffled maybird's flight embroiders the widened gloom. Contorting struts wave, the tree line dissolving the day at its border. I pull away from the fury of the group. Ascend a hill that isn't really a hill, more an outcrop of Precambrian shield. Every departed step undoing the knotted arteries of love, my tempest escort. Swollen eyes cleave trees, trees reel, shiver their trunks until the horizon line motions, onward. Bush thorn spears the bottom of my red party dress, the claimed rose petals erupting adobe red in my wake, everything thirsting in the overgrown stillness of his raptured words. And I just have one more. Back to the please. Find it. And it's called alignment. My body smells animal under my coat. Hello, fire. I offer you letters from my past, pictures of those lost. See my body bulked up to your hot flank. No sirens tonight here in the countryside, but this standstill will not last. Fire, soothe my sore sockets. I'll follow the wraith-faced owl belly down in snow, knees wet and swollen, voice braided into the wind. I'm meant for open air. A loose tooth chips its silted points into the flesh of my lips. In every direction, a person of consequence stands before shedding pines, the winter sun prying their shapes into a darkened distance. I miss the city siren wine where no starlight is visible at 2 a.m., where the light sleds off in greeting to the moon. He won't speak to me, and what can I do out here in slummy kilometers of smoke and hills, knuckled with the shield's toned musculature, rocks shedding off their joints? I don't ask. It doesn't mean I don't deserve to be told. I adore his pitiable tone, so tactical. He just wants an opportunity to refuse. The shadows creased with shades of firelight, his feelings bruise on mine, as cloud, those hills of clouds sprain their bulk anew to the wind's sleight of hand. January has come to winter in my bones, swollen knees in the cold rush, and my frozen parchment skin clasped to a glass, a benediction of drink, the night's fist of gin. I've ransomed my life, a bear downing a deer, wishing for him and the noisy hold of the city. Before sunrise tomorrow, five planets will align, just before a quickening of light. Such a brief time to be visible. I'll raise my eyes to its passing. All this nature infects me, 
I jackknife my body, feel for the pulp of leaves under snow, the day's warmth siphoned off, the snow approaching the tree line, ocean with the tracks of the missing. This is a day I could be buried in. just heard a reading by uh, Ashley Elizabeth Best and this was again at uh, Sherry Huang's uh, August 11th book launch at uh, Novel Idea Bookstore and just thought I'd uh, mention you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM so up next in it and to take us through most of the rest of this hour uh here is now Sherry reading and talking a bit, but mostly reading uh, portions from her new book called, had it here a second ago. I know it. I just am drawing a blank. Sorry about that. Love speech. Here it is. You guys um, want a break at all? Um, there's wine, if nobody noticed. Um, yeah, Novel Idea has been really generous, and they always host uh, really, really wonderful readings, um, always open um, to the community, and it's one of my favorite spots, so I had always dreamed of um, one day being on this side. And yeah, thanks again for coming. So I'm not super good at like public address. Um, so I thought I'd play to my strengths and just, um, I wrote something to you guys and I'm just going to read from what I wrote. Um, I'm really alive with gratitude for everyone who is here. Thank you for being open to honoring this book. I really do stand behind this work. It took me too many years to write for the size that it is, but I'm really lucky to have brilliant friends slash lovers who I look up to so much and from whom I can draw endless inspiration. I'm lucky I've had mentors such as Carolyn Smart and Bruce Kaufman, whose encouragement to me has always was also the ultimate challenge as a writer that is to keep writing. I'm also lucky to have a publisher, Metatron, who respected my vision and they really worked incredibly hard to make this happen. Um, for a while, uh, I was living in Shanghai for the last year in which we were corresponding and um, producing a book um, at a distance is a lot of work, a lot of correspondence. And um, for the last month or so, Ashley, my publisher and I would pretty much wake up and go to bed to each other's emails. Um, this reading is very special to me because I consider Kingston to be the closest thing to a hometown I've ever had. I always felt like Kingston has a sort of ambient political energy to it that congeals best when we are called collectively to action, to gather around a space we feel like matters. On numerous occasions, we've shown up for, um, shown up in masses to resuscitate, celebrate, or mourn artist collectives, workers' co-ops, yoga studios, coffee shops, radio stations. Because the stakes are high in either having or losing these spaces, because the contours of these spaces took shape around us, allowed us to extend ourselves into them 
and because of that, sometimes I miss spaces the way I miss people. Because you go somewhere enough, your body incorporates the ghost of each other's lived experiences. I really, really think that living here has made me a better person. How can I think we are not all the same? How can I ever let anyone feel lonely when it is so easy to love them? How can anyone ever make anything do anything without first making you feel worthy and seen? Um, love speech uh, has this town all over it. I hope it is a good thing for you. I want this to be a good thing for you. start reading my book and then read most of it, so <laughs> talk about spoiler alert. Um, there are a lot of citations throughout the book um, because I owe so much to my literary mothers and I have a foreword written inside of it um, fully dedicating proper credit to the works that have influenced me. Um, so. Please, yeah, like <clears throat> there's a reading list included, so yeah, I encourage you guys to spend time on that. And I'll try to do justice by verbally kind of like annotating the citations um, in a seamless way when I'm reading. I want the right kind of time. Wanting this has orientated me towards some people, music, films, and spaces more than others. In Masha Tupitsin's Love Dog, her eye is a subject position which extends back into the technology she absorbs. It opens with a note to reader. This book is polyphonic. It should be read, listened to, and watched. Her text incorporates the medias it contains and is able to metabolize the songs and cinemas so that what goes through the corpus of the book reads differently alongside Do Love Dog's personal revelations. In his essay after Masha Tupitsin's durational film, Love Sounds, Mackenzie Work has termed Tupitsin's writing as being made by technologies of the self. He writes, what were the technologies of the self in the late 20th century? In Tupitsin's own account, they were the family, books, movies, some such technologies, for me, are the songs that last all my life. The ones that do, along with the people who do, are world-making for me. One of the most affecting bands in my life, Broadcast, have an album called Work and Non-Work. And almost eight years after another band, Dog Day, first arrived in my life, one of their members joins a separate project under the name Not You. I feel what Sarah Ahmed means when she says that what is present or near to us is not casual. Because even if it takes time, approaching one thing puts me closer to all else that is involved with it, including its history, materiality, and future potentialities. What those certain things put me closer to, in words, were work and non-work slash not you, work and non-work slash not you, I have tendencies now to think about work and to think about the intimacy of the subject position you 
if not exactly because of or alongside the same lines as broadcast and not you, I'm extending that line of thought with my own and in turn extending myself as well. These considerations informed a majority of my early 20s, thinking hard about the kind of work I want to do and the people who matter. From, from a tarot reading in a whiskey bar, what is important to you will stay. Defend it to the death. Sarah Ahmed writes, loss of time for writing feels like a loss of your own time. Attention involves a political economy or an uneven distribution of time between those who arrive at the writing table, which affects what they can do once they arrive. For some, having time for writing, which means time to face the objects upon which writing happens, becomes an orientation that is not available, giving, given the ongoing labor of other attachments, which literally pull you away. So whether we can sustain our orientation towards the writing table depends on other orientations, which affects what we can face at any given moment in time. That's from Queer Phenomenology. As a young woman, a migrating and migrating Chinese person and skilled laborer, trying to be successful in my multitude of these things means giving up my time to line up with straight time while turning myself after hours to face the symbolic and literal writing table, as well as the work and people I feel like I belong with. My queerness is tasked with maintaining an orientation towards communities and ways of communicating. It is bound up with readings of queerness, which need to happen in between other events. The act of reading takes on a lively importance as it occurs beyond text, in stereo with lived desire, loneliness, aesthetics, and into moments of ecstasy, pleasure, rupture. This is how I find myself arriving right here Something originary in me has always tended towards intimacy, goading me towards all else and all else, which puts me closer to you. Having a poem or song is having a perfect unit, capable of making a mood reoccur. Books materialize fantasies of relationality. Books become a holding space, lending me the space of time, like the one that composure produces. All you can hope for are those people who put that calm in you, writes Dorothea Lasky. Composure is not the same as calmness, but calmness is the one thing that composure can allow for. Composure is the predecessor to any other affect, but often called upon when I'm closest to rupture because I'm feeling so much. One line I always come back to by Gertrude Stein, I came across by another book of poems, The Cow by Ariana Rhines. Rhines uses a line from Stein as an epigraph to set up for the wholly affecting marbled inside of poetry to come. The line she uses is, there is danger in sucking, the danger of sucking. Sucking is palpable and so it is seducing. Like Stein and Rhines, sucking and seduction even sound alike. It seems appropriate to me that the two women I love to read out loud the most share an assonance through their names. 
the oratory pleasure of their writing is duplicated again when they are quite literally read together. Sucking is the most vicious type of holding, but also so sensitive, a kind of nursing. The danger in sucking applies to how I think about my own work. Forever emerging is the joke amongst my friends. It means we are all trying to get beyond the nativity scene of our careers as artists, musicians, and writers. Sucking is feeling, and later on it could be thinking. In school, I wanted knowledge to sophisticate my weepiness. The kinds of spaces and collectives which are one and the same, both types of contours adjusting, that value more ephemeral cultural production, value what Jose Munoz calls ephemera. Similar to how Jack slash Judith Halberstam considers failure as a valuable reorientation device in the queer art of failure, sucking in its most optimistic reading may describe simply when something exists in a way that it shouldn't. And as we all know, the real miracle has always been the courage it takes to go on like this, to not be able to, and then to, anyway. You have it in you. I will lie down in a field exactly for you. We do things to each other through language. I have always felt that the moment of address is the tear in the air we need to get going, a wager we become. When, the move, when we move into the subject position, I. Addressing someone is the most direct way to do something to them. Language is an act. Judith Butler explores the extremes of what speech is capable of by using the hate speech slash love speech dichotomy. She says about hate speech, our very being exposes us to the address of another. We suffer from the condition of being addressable. Our emotional openness is carried in our addressability. Language navigates this. Language that feels hurtful is intended to exploit all the ways that you are present. On love speech, she says, our body is not simply over here as a spatio-temporal given, but is given itself given over, exposed and spoken through the speech act that emerges either as sound, as text, or in some visual form. The body is not a substance, but a modality that registers the full expanse of our relations. As such, it is there in the words, spoken or written, even as it is not there, but here. In other words, the body is given and withdrawn at the moment in which we rely on language to convey our love to someone else. We are still over here, waiting, separated from that person, and yet we have already left ourselves, have comported ourselves toward the other, have sent some sign of a corporeal and emotional disposition of love, which is also a modality of love, and hence of the body itself. Owen Ware's scholarship on love speech, contained in his essay of the same name, points to the language of love as a form of language just as injurious as hate, although the risk of injury has often concerns the speaker, not the addressee. By pointing out that not only does language do something, but that it is injurious either way, it raises the stakes of speech. It makes words and text negotiable causal instead of casual. I too am invested in love speech. 
It is the only form of speech worth speaking, and also the most difficult. An address which can be made in words or in no words, in the physical space held open for words, fully welcoming a person's subjecthood. Love speech's performativity is one of showing up and casting toward the other, an individual activism. The subjunctive flight, which is a pure desire to reach its subject, is the marker of love speech. It is a gesture neither limited to nor ever very far from what Ware, via Roland Barthes, calls the hyphenated and singular clump. I love you. Sometimes an address can be found in a voice. I fell in love with E's voice when I heard it on the radio. A lot of people did. E understood the power of address before I did and knows what it feels like to have someone talk to you when you're alone at night. Later, when I was the loneliest I'd ever been, living in Montreal, I would listen to this podcast called I Will Not Return Your Records. Lori would begin her two-hour show in a messy bedroom in the hood of Le Petit Patrie in a quiet way and stay through with me until the end. A voice, like a book, needs a person to bear witness. Right now, and always, being kind is an emergency. All the days leading up to, and including Christmas 2016, I was watching episodes of the American version of The Office. I tear up at all the right moments and fall perfectly for the premise of the show, which is a mockumentary of the day-to-day grind in the most unmiraculous of settings. People fall in love, despite of or against this background. I mostly identify with Michael Scott, desperately rubbing the love out of my routinized attachments. The work we do to get by in offices or other institutions of labor affects our bodies whether we like it or not. The thing I have in common with my coworkers across all backgrounds is that when we are in it, we often can't wait for the day to be over. But being future-oriented like this comes at a cost paid highly by those working 40-plus hours a week and who are most impoverished in the time economy. As Eve Sedgwick points out, both lovingly and critically in touching feeling, queer theory has prioritized a rhetoric of getting beyond. The texts that aim for these horizons are valuable to me as they have and continue to help me cope. But the part of me that cleaves to utopia is the same part that searches for more urgent strategies of survival, where current ways of existing can become more livable and even dare to be desirable. In other words, getting beyond requires existing alongside right now. I hold on to the fantasy that work can be more than just the site of labor, and nine to five more than just an impossibly long moment to make it through. whole parts of my life fall out of chronology. Content seeps through the sieve of night. I don't need to remember my dreams in order to believe in the work they do. Simply a night will lead from one end to another. It takes guts to erase the day's quotation marks. There is always going to be some sound that doesn't exit. A drone stays with me, against which other, less coarser memories continue to drop out. 
Nostalgia has a way of being everything, a different kind of remembering, an earlobe pressed into the heart kind of knowing. When you are being lit by the moon, you are being lit by the sun. Light leaks through a prick in the structure, and that is how we get picture. Light leaks into the back of my camera, and it smears itself into the closest thing to a memory I can render on a still image. The moon is an icon. Its light is the love thing from the day you can stare at in the night. I know you have a pure center. I know that when it gets bad, it's the slivers that let you survive. Feelings incorporate themselves from the beginning. It was all in our bodies. All kinds of light will get wounded by mist. Sometimes a ring forms, and what is not there glimmers. Sometimes you take the aberration because you can't have the other thing it's supposed to be. A poem or song could be like a long eye, cried into for the duration of a night. An eye that knows to vector its gaze past what it tries to look at. Um, this is a quote from Evelyn Rickey, their zine, Diarrhea Verse 1. Committing ourselves to finding what it is to be actually, truly loving, as only we queers really know how to do, end quote. Right here indicates wanting to be touched or a localized pain. Right here is where you were, evidence of having been. In a bathroom stall in 2013, I see if not now, then when. And I wonder if it's the radio show of the same name, or if two people in the same small town, Kingston, are asking the same question. If not now, then when? If not now is urgent in its lack of urgency. There's nothing making now a better time than a future time, other than it being now other than now being pumped up with a sense of wild potentiality, or if not now, then when else? If not now, then never. If now, then right now. Right now and always. Right here is an impossible localizing of what you do to me. And I know what you do to me, you will keep doing to me, right now and always. Some people you just think of in the subjunctive, thinking and loving, or thinking and warning, become twinned imperatives, cleft and cleaving at the same time. What does knowing do, asks Eve Sedgwick. The pursuit of it, the having and exposing of it, the receiving again of knowledge, of what one already knows. How, in short, is knowledge performative? How best does one move amongst its causes and effects? This opening to Sedgwick's fourth chapter in Touching Feeling sets up the scene to how a totalizing investment in the capital T truth is disappointing. Put differently, that we know more than we think we do is actually totally shattering because then knowing changes nothing, does nothing. Years after coming out to my mother, we have to make ourselves show up to see each other. Every time her face is a sight of love and pain, the greatest I'll ever know. She hasn't arrived and may never arrive at accepting this particular truth, but neither of us are able to walk away from the scene, devastating as it is. 
knowledge, public or private, gains performative power to change and do through sustained actions around that knowledge, which is the labor of living with the truth, which is the brutal emotional work that must follow up visibility. In the essay, Figuring Rhetoric, Jane Sutton and Marie Lee Mithsud posit that apostrophe is a deeply felt turn. I'm standing in front of a salmon-colored wall in a photo my mom took of me. I only notice looking at it afterwards that the wall is chipped, leaving a white apostrophe hanging over me. In the photo, my body pivots, despite the intensity of the greatest gravity, and in life, the difference of just a few angles can give you away. If someone's looking, it can count as hot gossip, like your feet pointing towards the person you like. Or in the middle of, a, in the, middle of the night, sleeping in a certain bed, I realize that not all of forgiveness is up to us or totally ours to give. Since trauma lives in the body, there needs to be an apostrophe, a physical reorientating of that body to a different ritual in a new space. According to Sarah Ahmed, in a familiar room, we have already extended ourselves. If a space begins to feel like those who inhabit it, I can also carry such familiarized contours within me. The cheesy adage, which goes for me, something like, you can take the girl out of small town Ontario, but etc., is a way to say just that. As hard as new contours try, I still feel the old contours within me. In love, all I want is the future perfect, to know that the time between us will have been. A quote by Nicole Brossard, Utopia is an emotion. If an eye gets truly sent forward in speech, it is enough to live off of. Some encounters are not the event, but its residue and Garen's ongoing verb formations still arriving. Thank you again for being so attentive. Um, even though I didn't look up during the whole thing. <laughs> I could see Layla out of my eye, kind of peripherally. At least crying. you were. Um, yeah, um, please stick around. Um, I wish I had prepared some house music, but, but I trust that Liam's set at the beginning is still ringing in our ears. Um, yeah, have some snacks, please, so that novel idea has less to clean up. And... Yeah, come say hi. I'd be happy to have a conversation or maybe add each other on social media if that's what people like. And I do have some test prints of um, some risographs. So the images that appear in the book um, were done on a risograph machine. And my publisher and I are coming out with a risograph edition of the book um, in hopefully September. So. Um, please keep your eyes out on metatron.press 
for updates. But yeah, pre-orders for this classic print edition of the book is available. And of course, lighten my load. And um, yeah, you can grab one tonight as well. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Oh, and the risographs are um, like $5 or pay what you can. So yeah, some of them are kind of have some interesting features um, of, from being misaligned. So yeah, pay what you can, please. Thank you. Uh, Sherry Huang, uh, her own reading at her book launch of Love Speech, her new books, uh, her new book uh, that happened at Novel Idea Bookstore, and uh, might have a minute. I kind of will have to play it by ear here for, just to mention uh, other events. Uh, doubtful though. Uh, what I would do just to be on the safe side because I always like to do this I want to thank you for tuning in today and to let you know you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM we are located in Lower Carruthers Hall Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario my name is Bruce and I'm here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca and uh Hope you can stay tuned next week. I hope to be airing a reading. Uh, this is going all the way back to July again now at, uh, at the bookshop in Tamworth in July and then begin some of the early August uh, readings in, in the monthly open mic. Uh, and uh, so start to get some of those to air because right now with all the events going on, uh, the library is really going to start building again, and so try to get caught up a little bit before we get there. And so I uh, want to remind you as well that each hour of this show, or any show uh, of my shows each week, will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends at Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. We'll remain there for four years. And uh, I'm not going to have time to try to announce anything because I have a bunch of recorded announcements that I've held off on. I haven't played any through the hour just so I could kind of save them up for the end and kind of cue me out and cue in. Rob Carnell is coming up next. Uh, I hope you can stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music in his show called Saltwater Music. And I hope you all have a great week, and I will catch you here again next week. Folk Everything, every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture. Here on CFRC. Says Red Mullet to James. That's a fine motorbike. The Youth Diversion Program is a charitable organization which has offered service to youth in the Kingston area since 1974. The goals of the organization are to allow youth to take responsibility for their behavior, to reduce the number of youth involved in the young offender system, 
to reduce the number of people victimized by youth in our community, and to involve the community in youth corrections. The Youth Diversion Program believes that all members of our community have the responsibility to provide all youth with the opportunity to develop and grow to their fullest potential. They work in partnership with the community to develop quality programs to assist youth to make positive changes in their lives and at the same time take responsibility for their actions. For further information, call 613-548-4535 or email info at youthdiversion.com. Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. listener-supported radio station, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world, not just what the corporate media want you to see, but a different picture, a different understanding, a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become... Uh, human, you know, that's the way you become human participants in a, in a social and political system. Put your red shoes on and support CFRC on Friday, September 13th at Slow Dance, a late summer night's dream. Dance away the summertime sadness with DJs LK, Dina, Haircut, and L.A. Foster with a live performance by Kyle Genesis. Designated dancers will be on the floor to fill your dance card, and the photo booth will truly make it a night to remember. Tickets are $15 at the door, but admission is free to attendees of Radio On, an evening in support of CFRC. That's Friday, September 13th from 10 until last call at 274 Princess Street, the Old American Apparel Building. This event is sponsored by McKinnon Brothers, Top Shelf Distillers, Soundworks, Old Farm Fine Foods, Stone City Ales, and David Simon Photography. All proceeds go to support your favorite radio station, CFRC 101.9 FM. Will you dance with me? 